Good morning. Well, I'm used to someone saying good morning back to me when I say good morning on a Sunday morning. But there's only a few of us here. We are speaking to you out in the land via Facebook. And so I'm going to say good morning again, but I won't be able to hear you say good morning back to me. God bless you. It's good to be here this morning. It's been a long time coming. As my brother Drew said, we've been uh, hanging out with you guys here at South City for the last couple of years. I've lingered in the back as I've come and gone. We've been in studying. We've been studying with your pastor and the elders of this church and some of the cohorts over the last couple of years. And we've really grown in love with these brothers. I love my brother Drew. I call him my big little brother. Daryl and Dee and all of the, the elders here. I'm just honored and humbled that you guys would allow me to come before the body as they are scattered throughout the city this morning to share what the Lord has put on our heart to share. I'm excited to have my family with me this morning. You can't see them, but my wife and children have joined me in the audience today. Been married to my wife for 26 years now. We have six children. Ages range from 16 to 26. We did that in 10 years. <laughs> we didn't have any time to waste. Excited to have them here. Um, in light of this being uh, the National Day of Prayer that has been summoned by our president, I want to start out this morning by agreeing with my brother Drew, as he prayed earlier, in regards to the time and the season that we are in. Church, I hope you're really paying attention. We are in interesting times. And this is the opportunity for the church to shine. This is not the opportunity for the church to run and hide and hide under a bushel. But this is, the, this is the time for the church to let that light shine. And God is depending upon us to do that. So why don't we pray as we prepare to get into our lesson this morning. Father, we just stand in agreement with all the pastors and leaders around this country in regards to today, at this time, at this place where you have us. We stand in agreement that the church is your light in the earth and the church is your people in the earth and it's the church that you are depending on in these times to stand and stand in the gap and make up the hedge 
for the nations and the people of this world. So, Father, we agree with God. We agree with heaven. We agree with our brothers and sisters as we're praying that Jesus is Lord and, God, that you're able to see us through anything that happens upon the face of this earth. And so we pray, Father, that this virus, as it begins to spread, would be limited and that it would die at its very root. And God, that the people of God would be protected, Lord, as we are following your assignment to go and to be witnesses in all of the earth, even during a time like this. And so, Father, we stand together with our president, with our legislators, Lord, with our pastors and leaders across this nation during this time to say that Jesus is Lord and that these are the days that we should open our mouth and to begin to preach and raise him high that he might draw all men to himself. In Jesus' name, amen. And all of us out in Facebook land are saying amen. Today we are continuing the assignment as shared with me by our pastor Drew to participate in the series on neighbor, loving your neighbor. And today we are talking about loving people groups, races. And the example is the Good Samaritan. Our goal today is to gain a better understanding of the purpose and will of God in regards to the urgency of loving our neighbor. In particular this morning, we are dealing with people group, races across the land, and we are also going to entertain the question of why should it even matter? First, the way people know that we are the people of God is by our love. For God so loved the world, we all know the scriptures, John 3:16. God so loved the world that he gave first. Secondly, Romans 2 and 4 says that, oh, do you despise the riches of the goodness and the forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that it is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance? We are left in the earth to be God's witnesses. That's what this is all about. Loving our neighbor is basically the church being the witness of God in the earth. The past few weeks, we've covered loving your neighbor as self. Pastor Drew started off with the first series on loving neighbor as self. Then he went on to talk about loving family, loving community, loving coworker, loving enemy. And today, as I said, we're dealing with loving people groups, the races of the earth. We're going to start out Luke 10, if you would, grab your Bibles. Those of you that are at home in your jammies, go on and roll out of bed, grab that Bible on the stand, and turn with me to Luke 10, verse 25 is where we are going to start. And it starts out like this. This is the parable of the Good Samaritan. This is going to be our example this morning in talking about loving the people group, the races of the earth. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? Jesus is asking him this question now. What is written in your law? What is the reading of it? I'm reading from the New King James Version. 
So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Say that with me. Your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. He, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down to Jerusalem, from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came, looked, and passed on the other side also. But a certain Samaritan as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Say compassion. So he went to him and bandaged him, his wounds, pouring oil and wine, and set him on his animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. Notice that the good Samaritan didn't leave. He took care of him maybe all night. On the next day, I guess it was all night because it says the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? Jesus now is asking the lawyer the question. And he said, he who showed mercy on him. And then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Say that with me. Go and do likewise. That is the message of the Lord to us even today, 2020. Jesus is saying to the church of the living God, go and do likewise. Now, I want you to take note of the fact that Jesus asked him the question, what is written in your law? That time, the New Testament wasn't written. The law that they had was the Old Testament. And so Jesus is saying that the lawyer actually quoted the scriptures that we just read out of Luke, but he actually was quoting from Deuteronomy 6 and 5. If you would go on and turn there and look at that, Deuteronomy 6 and 5, Five says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. This is the first commandment. It was already written in their law, and Jesus was using that during the time that he was in. Also, it's written in another place. It's in Leviticus 19 and 18, and it says that you shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people. But you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Same language, same words. Love your neighbor as yourself. But in Leviticus, there was a, a, an end note. And I want us to take mind of this end note today. He says, at the end of that verse, he says, I am the Lord. Say that with me. I am the Lord. 
See, the Hebrew nation understood when God ended a sentence or a verse with, I am the Lord. They understood what that meant. We may not understand what that means today, but they understood. Do you remember when Moses was standing in front of the bush and he said to God, who shall I tell Pharaoh sent me? And many of us would think maybe that God would begin to go down and give him an explanation of this and that and who he was and I created the worlds and I did all this, but God didn't do any of that. This is what God says. He says, tell him that I am who I am. That's it. I am who I am. And we understood what happened after that, right? Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and I am showed up in his fierceness and in his vengeance until Pharaoh declared that he is God. Amen? Listen, this is the point this morning. When God speaks, we should listen, especially the church of the living God. When God speaks, we should listen. Now, we love Jesus. How many of us want to be like Jesus? How many of us want to do what Jesus says? What Jesus says that this, what we are talking about this morning, is the most important two factors of our faith. That is loving the Lord your God and loving your neighbor. And God is telling us this morning that how we treat our neighbor, in particular with the subject matter this morning, the people groups of the earth, the races all around us, is of utmost importance to him. Everything should change after we get this this morning. I'm going to tell you, as I've been studying and, you know, we, we are being changed daily, amen, as we study the, Lord, the Word of the Lord, every day we are being changed. And when Brother Drew assigned me this morning to speak, obviously as the minister this morning, I'm going to get in my Word and I'm really going to begin to study. Let me tell you guys, this has changed everything for me. Now I notice that my neighbors around me. I notice the man on the corner. I notice the guy holding out, wanting, wanting, wanting something when you go up to the— I notice everything now. I'm noticing my neighbors like never before. And let me tell you, I began to respond like never before. How to love the people groups of the earth, our neighbors and our cities and our states and our world. That's the point that we're talking about tonight. Now, I've said all of that, and I haven't even gotten to my first point. All right, throw your clocks away. Listen, you don't have to go to the restaurant after this because you're already at home in bed. All right, so just relax, get a cup of coffee, and, and let me do my thing this morning, all right? We don't need to rush out of here. I asked Brother Drew, is there a time clock on Facebook? And he says, no. I said, well, I'm not going to take all day, all right? But listen, we want to talk about what we've come to talk about this morning. And the first point is, number one, understanding loving God. We have three points as to how do we love the people groups around the world. Three points this morning. Number one is understanding loving God. Number two is understanding the great exchange. And number three, understanding loving as self. Now, I'm going to get into this, but God never said, we assumed he said it, love your neighbor as you love yourself. We're going to talk about that. It, it, from the Old Testament to the New, it always says, loving neighbor as self. 
really, regardless of whether you love yourself or not, because we've already proven, oh, I'm, I'm already into number three. Let me back up. Let's go back to number one, understanding loving God. Now, loving people groups or loving your neighbor is not subject to how we love ourselves. That is not the qualifier. We can't say, well, I don't love my neighbor because I don't feel good about myself. I'm learning how to love myself. So when I figure out how to love myself, then I'll start loving my neighbor. It, 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 it doesn't say that. Loving people groups is not subject to how we love ourselves, but rather our ability to love God. That was number one, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's the qualifier. So how we do this is first understanding how to love God. Now, first point, this kind of love is dependent upon the indwelling Holy Spirit. It is not by human means. So if you're not born again this morning, I'll tell you right now, you do not have the ability to do this. But if you're a part of the faith, if you're a part of the people of God, if you're a part of the household of God, God is already giving us by factor of his indwelling spirit the ability to do what he's commanded us to do. That is actually the definition of grace. Grace is, the, is God giving us the ability to do what he's already commanded us to do. That's the grace of the Lord. All right? So first, it takes the indwelling Holy Spirit in order to love this way. And secondly, we really have to understand what the word love means. Now, in the English, we have one word, love. But in the Greek, there are three words that represent that word love. That's agape, phileo, and eros. You got to roll the R. Eros, eros. Okay? Agape, phileo, and eros. This word in this passage is agape. Agape, agapeo. Agapeo is a verb. It is an action word. It's not an emotional type love. Agapeo uh, denotes divine. It denotes self-sacrificial love, exemplified in God giving his son. Now, the Bible said that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, do you think God was sitting up in his holy heaven thinking, oh, man, I just love those sinful, wicked people of the earth. Oh, I just love them. I feel so good about them. Absolutely not. God did not feel good about us wicked people, but he loved us by action. He gave his son, and then Jesus loved us by willingly going to the cross and dying for us while we were yet sinners. Now, I understand that because I have my family here with me, and obviously I love my family. I, I, I lay down my life for them daily. But there are some times when I don't like them. Sometimes I don't like my children. <laughs> But I love them, and I prove that by my action. Phileo is the second word for love. Now, that denotes an inferior human love. 
that's more akin to warm feelings. Now, that's what we really think about when we say, I love you, or, or even we say, I love God. We think about how I feel, the feelings that I have for God. No, 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 no. That's not it. God is after that unconditional love, the agape love. It's the verb. It's the action. It's, it, it, it's shown by what we do rather than by what we feel. God demonstrated by giving. Christ demonstrated by willingly going to the cross. Both were actions, not emotions. A decision was made to do something. This kind of love is displayed through complete, utter submission and a devotion to God. And so we've read those scriptures for years, for years. I've read the scriptures, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And I have to tell you, inside, I've always said, uh, how do I do that? Well, we do that by, remember, action is not about feeling. It's about our daily devotion, our daily devotion in heart. That means our affections the affections of our heart, keeping them fresh and pure and giving those affections to the Lord first, honoring God with our affections where we don't love anyone above God. In our soul, our conscious man, that's where we really worship God, in our conscience, in our intuition, keeping that free from the stain of secret sins. You know, if, if you're involved in counseling, when most people come to you with problems, especially Christians, most of the time when you dig deep, it's because of secret sins that has, that has, that has gotten between them and God. And so when they enter into those secret sins, guilt becomes comes in. They begin to feel bad about themselves. They begin to feel angry. They begin to, to feel bitter about other things and because of the secret sins that have separated their fellowship with God. That's why in order to love God daily, we have to keep our conscience clean from secret sins. Our mind has to be undistracted day in and day out, giving our mind to the Lord, undistracted. Now, in Deuteronomy 6, it, it, it also talked about, when he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Let me, let me read something to you. This is, was the instruction that he was to give them. He says that, and, and, and these words which I command you today shall, shall be in your heart. He says, you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them as you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Now, I'll tell you again, I knew of that scripture many years ago when my children were young, and I'm going to tell you, I had difficulty with that. It was like, when do I get to go to work? I mean, I, I, I do this all the time. But let me tell you, the, the youth of today have taught me how to do this. Because if you watch the youth of the day, when they rise up in the morning, they're on their cell phone. When they walk along the way, they're on their cell phone. When they lie down at night, they're on their cell phone. They've taught us how to keep our mind on something all day long. And so this is what the Lord is saying, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, that, that we are to meditate on him day in and day out. J Joshua 1 and 6 says this. Joshua 1 and 6. 
Joshua 1 and 6 says, And this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that I have written. And then will I make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So young people, you want to know how to have good success in your life? Get the Bible on your phone, and when you rise up in the morning, you're in the Word of God. When you're walking along the way, you're in the Word of God. When you lay down at night, you're in the Word of God. And you can use this piece of electronic to fulfill this Scripture here in Luke 10, where it says, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Amen? Finally, in our strength, we preserve our bodily strength for the Lord, and we guard that in our youth and in any time of our life that we don't give ourselves away, our bodily strength away to others, but we reserve that for the Lord. Now, this is the goal. I don't want us to be discouraged this morning. I know that sounds like a lot, but this, this is the goal. But it is a process, and it, it, it requires growth, being intentional and understanding who we are, for we are the people of God. We've been sanctified, set apart as a holy vessel for His use. Okay? We're being changed, transformed day by day, Romans 12, as we are we're looking into the perfect law of liberty. And actually, Colossians 3 and 18 says that, but we all with unveiled faces beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. And then ultimately, we will be glorified with Him. This is the process. This is the first, re this is the, the prerequisite. Well, I don't want to say prerequisite in the sense that you've got to master this before you can love your neighbor, but this is the process. Let me put it that way. This is the process of giving ourselves to loving God, and when we do that, we, can, we have the capacity now to love our neighbor as self. This is why we gather this is why we provoke one another into loving to good works, Hebrews 10, 25. And what does it say at the end of Hebrews 10, 25? As we see the day approaching. Now, let me have your attention. The day is approaching, people of God. Since Jesus ascended over 2,000 years ago, we were in the last days when he went up. The last days started when Jesus left because they were looking for his return at any moment. That's one of the reasons why the, the, the believers lived the way that they did at Antioch. They lived among each other. They prayed daily. They, they had their bread from day to day, and they went from house to house believing God and had favor with all the people because they were expecting the Lord to come at any moment. And then he delayed, and time passed, and now we've gotten laxed. But he's still coming. He's still on the way. We are in year, year 2020. Jesus' coming is nigh, and this is why the church has to pay attention to where we are, what time it is. Let's not look at the events of the day out of the eyes of, world, of the world. We need to have a godly view. Look at the events of the day after the eyes of the Scriptures. Where does the Word of God say that we are? Yes, the Bible says that no man knows the day nor the hour, but God says we know the season. What is the Lord, word of the Lord telling us about the season that we are in? This is a great opportunity for the church. I am so happy that no one is here this morning because it ain't about this building. 
It's not about coming to church, although we're commanded not to forsake the assembling ourselves. We come together for the purpose of provoking one another unto love and good works as we see the day approaching. But for the, for, for the most part, the church today has traded in doing this, what God has called us to do, loving our neighbors to come into church. And so when we come to church on Sunday, we believe that we have fulfilled the will of the Lord for us, and we go and do other things for the rest of the week, and then we come back to church on Sunday as if that's what God has said. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and go to church. No, he said, love your neighbor. So this is an opportunity while we are at home to, to get an understanding that when we crack those doors tomorrow, and go out into the world, this is what God has called us to do, to love our neighbor. Our second point is to understanding the great exchange. And to start this out, we're going to show a video. I don't know if they're going to put it up here, if you, there on your, okay, I'll see it back there. Let's go on and start that video. I don't want to... say twice or for the hundredth time what you've or how much you've taken from us. I think you know that. But I just I hope you go to God with all what, all the guilt, all the thing, the bad things you may have done in the past, each and every one of us may have done something that we're not supposed to do. If you truly are sorry, I know, I can speak for myself, I, I forgive you. And I know if you go to God and ask him, he will forgive you. And I don't think anyone could say it. Again, I'm speaking for myself, not even bad for my family. But I love you just like anyone else. And I'm not gonna say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I see, I, I personally want the best for you. And I, I wasn't gonna ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's, what, that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. I'm not going to say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. Again, I love you as a person. And I don't wish anything bad on you. I don't know if this is possible, but 
Can can I give her a hug, please? Please. Yes. Amen. That was a tragedy. Drew shared that video last week, the end of his message, and I tell you what, I had to run out and get tissue. It just really makes you cry. That young man, Bolton, attended Harding University at the same time that my daughter was at Harding University. Promising future taken. But I want you to play along with me in this scenario because I want to make a point here. This young lady's life has come to an end. Now, I understand the judgment that was given, but play along with me. Her life has come to an end. Because of her error, sin, the governing body, jury, judge, has determined that it will cost her her life. She is in need of a savior if she's to live again on this earth. Now, take note. God created man in his image for his purpose. It was his idea. God decided to create an intelligent being in his image after his likeness for his pleasure to live in fellowship with him daily for eternity. God gave him specific instructions on how he should live and what he could and could not do but so that man could fellowship with God at a higher level, level than the angels, God gave him a free will, the ability to make decisions. Yes, the, the ability to decide whether to obey or not obey, or not to obey. Man was deceived and chose to disobey, sinned, and because God is perfect, God could not fellowship with sin. The sentence of death was placed on him. Man's life as originally purposed on earth was over. It was done. Man died that day spiritually, and he would eventually die physically, going back to the dust of the earth. What if this day in court, that young man, because of the love of God in his heart, was willing to make an exchange with this young lady so that she could live out the days of her life free from the penalty of death that was placed on her due to her taking a life? What would that look like? This young man would say to the judge, Judge, I would like to make an exchange. I would like to pay the price for the judgment that had been placed upon her. I would like to serve out her term of death in exchange for her serving out my term on the face of the earth. Because of my love for her, I am willing to make this exchange. And then he looks at the young officer and asks her, 
do you believe that I am, that I, that, that I have, that I am able to do this for you? Are you willing to accept? This is a picture of the great exchange that actually happened with you and me when we came to Jesus. The Bible said that we sinned. We were separated from God. Hallelujah. We were separated from God. We were in need of a Savior. Jesus Christ came, lived a perfect life on the earth, went to the cross to die for a sinful people. Knowing that God would have to punish the sin. And Jesus said, I am willing to allow the vengeance and the fierceness of God to come upon me for all the people of the earth that have sinned and, and are separated from God. And all he asks is that we come to him and what? Surrender. Surrender at his feet. Surrender. What? Surrender our life to him. The great exchange. He took our penalty and we now accept him into our being and we are in exchange live his life on the earth. Amen? It's in this context that we understand now the command that God has given us that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. It was in our agreement and it was, it was in the agreement of the great exchange. But then number two, he says, love your neighbor, people group, races of the earth. It's part of the exchange. I hate to use this word, so take it lightly. It's part of the contract. You understand what I'm saying? It was an agreement that was made that if he would die for us, we would live for him. And so in that regard, it's not a choice that we have. We actually should prepare daily as we leave our homes to enact our part of the deal. And so I want to encourage the church, let's, let's get free of this attitude that we have when we come to the stop sign and the brother on the corner with a cup. You know, I drive a van and it has a coin slot that I can put quarters and nickels and dimes. And I empty my pocket every day and put it in that slot so that when I come to the corner, I can be prepared. Amen? That's what happened here with the great Samaritan. He was prepared to do the work of the Lord. Now, I'm not going to get into that because that's point three. So, we get point two, the great exchange. Let's go on to point three. Amen? Amen. Understanding loving as self. Point number one, understanding loving God. Point number two, understanding the great exchange, that we are obligated now in love to fulfill our part of the deal, and that is to live his life on earth and not our own. Number three, loving as self. It is normal to care for oneself, normal to provide for oneself, normal to protect oneself, comfort oneself, entertain oneself, express oneself, pray for oneself, provide those things that bring pleasure to oneself. This, by definition, is called loving self. So if a person says that I don't love myself, I have a problem with myself, I understand what you mean. 
but by proof, by definition, we prove that we love ourselves every day. We can feel bad about ourselves, but I guarantee you when that stomach starts to roll and we're going to go get some food, we're going to feed this self that we don't like. <laughs> we're going to feed this self that says, I don't love you, self, but we're going to put some clothes on self. We're going to wash self at least once a week. How many of you ever laid in the bed, you're, you're tired at night, and you come home, and you say, oh, I don't think I'm going to take a bath tonight. I'm just going to lay down. How many of you ever done this? And you lay down in bed, and all of a sudden, you start smelling something. <laughs> Man, that, that has happened to me. I've had to get up out of bed and go and take a bath at 2 o'clock in the morning because I couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> That's called loving self. <laughs> God didn't have to say in Scripture, love yourself. It never says that directly because it's understood that we love self. What this Scripture seems to be advocating is to do for our neighbor with normality, with intentionality, on a daily basis, just as we do for ourselves. Now, that's a tall task, isn't it? It takes intentionality. It takes carefulness. It takes being reminded that we're to give ourselves to the Lord with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. It takes being reminded, reminded that we have participated in the great exchange, that we are not living our life on earth. He's given us the privilege of doing what we do, go to work, have a career, have a family. He's given all, all that privilege, but we have agreed to live his life on the earth. And for him, he wants us to mimic what he has done. He gave himself, all of himself to us while we were yet sinners. And now what he's saying to us is that we are to give ourselves to the people of the earth. This is the will of God for his life to be shown through us as, as he, as his bought possession. Actually, 1 Corinthians 9, 6 and 19 and 20 says that you are not your own. You were bought with a price. That doesn't sound good, does it? especially for the modern-day church, as we have been inundated with philosophies from liberals and, and people that are that, that teaching that self is king. Now we're in the time where it's all about self. You've heard the words, go live your truth. Go live your best life. Do you. How many of us in the church have bought into that? I have to admit, I've, I've had to stop that. Do you. Live your truth. Live your best life. We've heard it on all the commercials. My daughters, and, you know, they're sitting here. They, they, you know, that's not biblical. We don't do us. We don't live our best life. We live the life of Christ. The Bible says that we shall die and he shall live. We shall decrease and he shall be increased. It ain't about us. It ain't about us. You can write a song. It's not about us. Don't do you. Don't do that. Do Christ. Come on, say that. Do Christ. Put those. Do Christ. Hallelujah. Yes. Now, back to our passage. Jesus used a non-religious Samaritan to demonstrate his will for us. In the Scripture, it says that the Samaritan man went down from Jerusalem, verse 30, 
fell among, a, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Judea, fell among thieves, stripped of his clothing, wounded, left half dead. Man, this is good. The fact that we are not here this morning, because this passage really is talking about, it ain't about religion. It ain't about religion. And he used as an example the priest and the Levite that came along, I guess, on their way to church, saw this man and moved to the other side. Now think about it. How would we think about a guy in that condition as we're walking along the way? Many of us would judge him. We would say, uh-huh, that's what you get. Bet you he's a dope, dope dealer. You know, bad deal, and they done whip, whipped him up. That's what he gets. We would think of all kinds of scenarios as to why he's in that condition. Am I telling the truth? Let me prove it. When we pull up to the stop sign and we see the guy on the corner, how does our mind start racing? Why is he standing there without job, without home, without family, without... He's lazy? I'm not going to give you anything. This is not what the good Samaritan did. The Samaritan, he didn't ask any questions. He didn't ask, hey, did your dope, drug, did your dope deal go bad? What are you doing out here? What did he do? This is what he did. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine, and set him on his animal, and brought him into an inn, took care of him, and spent the night with him. And then when he left, he said, whatever bills he make, when I come again, I'll pay it. Jesus used that, a Samaritan, a people group that the Israelites hated. They were wicked. They were not saved. They were not serving the Lord. They were the other folk on the other side of the track. They were the other folk in the trailer park. They were the other folk that came across the land in the boats. They were the other folk, the people groups of the earth. But Jesus used the Samaritan to prove the kind of love that he wants us to have for them. He demonstrated the love of God providing for that man. And guess what? It didn't happen in a church building. Rather, it happened on the side of the road, exposing the field that all of us are in. Now, yes, we do come to the church building in order to, to, to be encouraged, in order to get fed, to, in order to get, you know, it's like going to the filling station, the gas station, to get gas so that you can go do the job. How would it look if we stayed in the gas station and we know I never go out to do the job? That's what church is. And so that we would encourage one another along this way because it gets difficult sometimes, right? Sometimes it seems a little tough to live this way. And this is why we come into the church building so we, hey, you can do it. You can do it. Listen, he's on his way. He's got rewards with him. He's got, re, you know, he's going to have our crowns and we're going with, to be with him. For, we encourage one another. The religious priest and Levite took a pass on what really mattered. And the Samaritan cared for that man as 
Say that with me. As Seth. He didn't love that man the way he loved himself. He cared for that man as Seth. There's a difference. Now, I want to ask you a question. It says, it says in verse 31, now by chance, no, verse 30 says, and Jesus said, answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem. I want to ask you a question. Who is that man? A certain man went down to Jerusalem. I'm going to ask the question again. Who is that man? Well, I'm going to answer since you didn't. That man is you. That man is I. And guess what? That man is a black man. That man is a white man. That man is a red man. He's a brown man. That man is a yellow man. That man is a pale man. That man is a rich man. That man is a poor man. That man is a fat man. That man is a skinny man. <laughs> Guess what? That man is an attractive man. And that man is a not so attractive man. That man is the people groups of the earth. Now don't be confused about that. Don't be confused. Then who are you? Who are you? Are you one of them? Are you the black man? Are you the white man? Are you the pale man? Are you the red man? Are you the male man? Who are you? This is my answer. And we're in point three, so we're winding down. You are neither of those people. You are not the black man. You're not the white man. You're not the red man. You're not the pale man. Let me tell you who you are, who we are. Colossians 3, 3 and 4 says this. He says that you are dead. You're the dead man. That's who we are. We're the dead man. And our life is hidden with Christ in God. Listen, when Christ, who is our life, appears, then we also will appear with him. Now, what is my point? My point is that we are not to get caught up in being the people groups of the earth. We are not to get caught up in being the red man, the white man, the black man, the blue man, because if we get caught up in that, we begin to have a worldview out of the eyes of a black man. We begin to have the worldview out of the eyes of a white man. This is what Paul said about his race. In Philippians 3 and verse 5, Paul says of himself, I've been circumcised on the eighth day. I'm of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. He's proud of who he was. Hebrew of Hebrews. But then he went on to say, but what things that were gained to me. Now there's a teaching that's going around today and a lot of apologies are being given from one race to the other because of the privileges of the white man. It says that, we, you know, when everybody's on the starting line, you know, we're up, you know, we're way ahead when we started out this thing. And, and, and I want to say to you, black man, I'm sorry. 
But Paul is saying here, he's saying, I was of a Hebrew of Hebrews. But this is what he went on to say. He says, but what things that were gained to me, these things I have counted loss for the sake of Christ. He says, I have counted all those things as rubbish, as dung, that I might gain Christ. This is what I want to say to the white man. You don't owe me an apology for sin. You don't owe me an apology for your sin. And I'm going to say it to the black man. You don't owe an apology for where you are. Because we are not that any longer. We are now of the people of God. We are of a new race, and I'm going to show it to you. Turn your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. We're coming to a close, coming to an end. We're going to get there. 1 Peter 2, it says, Now I've gone down a road that many of you weren't expecting. I know it. But stay with me. 1 Peter 2, verse 9. 1 Peter 2, verse 9. It says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Say that with me. Holy nation. His own special people that you may, pro that you may proclaim the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. If you would do the word study, that word, that word nation there, the, the word for that is ethnos. So basically what God is saying is that you are a chosen people, a royal, he, royal priesthood. You are a holy ethnic group. You are a holy ethnos. You are no longer what you were, but now you are the people of God, of the household of God. You are a holy ethnos. You are a holy race unto God. What I want to say to you this morning is that we are disguised in this world. The Bible said that we are to be in the world, but not of the world. In 1 Corinthians 9, 22, it says, To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. And I become all things to all men, that I might by any means save some. So listen, when I go into my community that is predominantly white, black, I'm a black man. Because I become black that I may win the black. And so wherever you are, the Bible says we become all things to all men that we might win some. So I don't go around saying to them that I ain't black. They think I'm crazy. <laughs> but when I, come to, when I come among you in the body of Christ, although we may have different shades, we have the same Father. Now the blood of Jesus, the blood of God runs through our veins. We are of the household of God. It ain't about this skin. And as long as we continue to make it about this skin, we will not love the people groups of the earth. We will be partial to who we look like. <laughs> That's nature. We're partial to those things that are most like, like us. But how many of you in this building together this morning, you can say as a born-again believer that you are like an unsaved black man? That's, that's who you're like. 
or you can say that you are like an unsaved Hispanic man. But I can say, I'm like that man right there. I'm like Drew. That's my brother. That's my brother from another mother. I'm like him. We have the same father. We are of the household of faith. We are of the holy ethnos. So when we come into this building, it's not about who. We are of the household of faith. And so God has given us now the assignment to go out as the household of faith, as the people of God, as the holy ethnos of God. God has given us the assignment now to go and love the people groups of the earth, the races, as ourselves. And we are not partial to the black man if I look black. We are not partial to the white man if I look white. We are not partial to the Hispanic man if I look Hispanic. It ain't about us. It's about Jesus. Amen? Let us conclude. This is my conclusion. Let me settle down. Take a breath. God has called us, the church, out. God has called us, the church, out. That we might affect the people groups of the earth. That is his assignment. He's given the church, us, to the people groups of the earth. And he says, love them, not like you love yourself. Love them as you love yourself. And every day we prove that we love ourselves by the care that we provide for ourselves. So this is an opportunity, church, as you're at home, as you're laying in your bed, if you hadn't spilled your coffee over this word yet, this is an opportunity for us when we crack our doors tomorrow to go into the earth where the people groups are, the races, the black man, the white man, the Hispanic man, because yes, they are black, they are white, they are Hispanic, they are, they are Asian, they, they are that. And we are to love them as self. Who is self? The life of Christ that's in us. That's self. That's who we are. The life of Christ that's in us. We are to pour that life out on the people groups of the earth. And we are to care for them with the capacity that God gives us. Yes, we have to use wisdom and we have certain resources available to us. And yes, we're to walk in wisdom in everything. Amen? But those opportunities that we have the capacity to, to reach, the capacity to be a blessing. You know, that guy on the corner, as your car passes him every day, he should learn to depend on you. That every day when that brown car comes, I'm going to get my quarter. And after about the second month of giving him a quarter, he begins to, maybe one day you roll down the window and he says, I've never seen anybody like you before. You do this every single day. I see you. You're prepared to be a blessing. Who are you? Why do you do that? Nobody does that. Nobody loves me that way. And he says, I want what you've got. 
because it seems like you're more concerned about me than you're concerned about yourself. This is the capacity that God, by his indwelling spirit, has given us. But the only way that we would see that is that we get our eyes off of us. What makes me happy? Well, I have another shocker. If, if what I've already shared is not shocking enough, I have another shocker for you. God did not give his life on the cross to make us happy. That ain't why Jesus died, to make us happy. But we find the joy of the Lord. Amen? She has a beautiful smile. We find the joy of the Lord when we do it God's way. God has called all that are his to love him and to love our neighbor, neighbor, the people groups of the earth, as self. To do that, we must continually remind, be reminded that we participate in the great exchange, exchanging our sinful, deplorable, soon-to-perish selves for the riches of God, both now and in the heavenly places. We can't do this alone. We need each other to live like this. To be continually reminded that his coming is nigh. It's for days like this, our current times, that we were created. The Christians don't hide behind bushels when troubles come. We shine our light. John 12, 32 says, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. Colossians 3, 24, and this is our final word, says this. And Drew, if you can come, if you, if you feel led. Knowing that the Lord, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. People of God, the Bible says that my yoke is easy, my burdens are light. Some of you may be a little bit overwhelmed by listening to this, this, this message, but I want you to be encouraged. Because God has not called us to do anything that he has not already enabled us to do by his indwelling spirit. Actually, he is the one that does it through us. God has simply called us to do is to yield and allow him to do it through us. But in our yielding, we must be attentive to loving the Lord, being devoted to God in our heart, mind, soul, and strength as we are meditating in the Word day and night as we're on our knees praying before God, receiving strength, as we're coming into the household of the Lord, gathering other believers, being encouraged to do the work of the Lord and to, and to be provoked into love and good works. This is what God—this is our daily exercise. This is what God gives us in order for us to have the potential to feel, fulfill His will on the earth. We cannot do this in our own strength because people will get on your nerves. They will drive you away. The very people that you go to help, to, to help when you hold out your hand, they will hit your hand, bite your hand. 
You would get, you would get to the point where you don't want to help anyone. We have to overcome our stereotypes, what we see on TV, what we hear, what our grandmothers and grandfathers have told us about certain races. We have to overcome all of that in order to do the will of the Lord. But we have to remember that we now are not what we were. We are the people of God. Amen. I'm going to ask my brother Drew to come as we close this out. Amen. My brother. I love you, Roger. <laughs> I'm so thankful for your faithfulness to the word of the Lord this morning and for your teaching us and loving us enough to tell us the truth and speak his word to us. You are so on point. I don't, if we had a full crowd, I'm not sure. We would still be going probably for another hour because that was so wonderful. Thank Praise you so Lord. much. Praise I am so thankful not only for your willingness to serve us today, but just your friendship with me. Amen. And you've spoken into my life over and over again. You know, I keep thinking about your message and thinking about us, thinking about our people, thinking about our church and our community. And the reality is there are things that we have to learn, but there are things we don't even know. There are things in our, in our subconscious, things in our upbringing. You mentioned our parents or grandparents. There are things that run deep in us that we don't even consciously think, and yet they come out in, in what we believe. That's and we, right. need the, we need the spirit of the living God to go into our history, mm -hmm. go into our hearts, go into our soul, and change us, not by what our culture ha has said to be true or what our family has said to be true or whatever the situation is, but what God has said to be true has to be the very foundation of what we believe in who we are and how we live. And I, listening to your message and listening to the story of the Good Samaritan, just thinking about the fact that he had compassion first and he put that one above himself. Amen. And if we can walk that out, if we can learn that and do that together, God can change our church. He can change our community. He can change our city. And that is our prayer. That is you our reminded prayer. me of something. A brother in the Lord came to my office the other day, and we were in fellowship together at another church. And he was sharing to me that his, the church that we were in, they were multicultural. They wanted to be a multicultural church. They wanted all the races there. And he was good with that. But you know what he shared with me? He shared with me, he said this. He said that if my dad was still alive, I don't know that I would continue to be at that church because he taught us to be racist. Mm. Now this is a believer mm -hmm. and the influence of that his dad had on his life that it superseded what the Bible says about him right. and who he is and he identified with what his dad, what his dad said that he was. Mm -hmm. And so when we brought a, a, a pastor that, that's from the African American race in to be a pastor in what predominantly some would be considered a, a predominantly white church mm -hmm. he said if his dad was still living he would have left mm -hmm. because his dad would have put too much pressure on him mm -hmm. it's amazing the things that that take precedence in our lives like he should have stood up to that he you know if that would have been the case and many of our people have to make that choice you know am i going to be uh who i've been what, like what is my identity is my identity in my name is my identity in my culture or my color? Is my identity in who I am in Jesus? It has to supersede everything that we are. As a, a, before we're Americans, before we're this culturally separated, we have to be founded completely in who we are in Christ. Uh, I'm, I think about Ephesians 2, that, that Christ has torn down this wall of hostility, Absolutely. that we are now one man. 
one one man, man. Christian <laughs> Christian that's the race we are that's the race praise God thank Amen. you so much for your faithfulness Amen. and love for South City to be here with us today Amen. we love you listen I just want to give a, uh, a final word to our church and to our friends that are watching at home. Thanks for joining us today. I just want to remind you again, you know, obviously this is a, a season we need to be in prayer. This is a season we need to be concerned with each other, checking in, check in with your city group, if you will, especially those who are of, of elderly age, maybe on your street or those even in our church. As we hear of needs, we'll let you know so that we can meet those needs. That is, that is our heart here at South City. We will have our food pantry tomorrow night, and that'll be part of how we have compassion and how we serve, and we will continue to give food, and it'll be a joy. And if you have the ability to come help us, we could use that help. Two different times for helping. If you can be here at 2 o'clock, you could stay from 2 until about 4. That'd be great. Or if, if you can do from about uh, 5 till about 6.30, either one of those would be a great time for a couple of hours to serve, and we would appreciate your help there. And then lastly, just a reminder uh, that everything else has been canceled around South City until we give you further and further notice. We're still praying and trying to decide about next Sunday uh, if we're going to go broadcast live on Facebook again, if we're actually going to have a service. So we'll let you know that. Um, but nothing else is happening on our campus. Everything's been, been shut down for now. Check in with us if you have a need. Let us know how we can serve you. And please, as the Lord leads you to give, please continue to be faithful in that for us as a church as we continue to do the ministry that God has called us to. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. I want to close this in prayer. Father, you're good. Thank you so much for Roger. Thank you so much for the work you're doing in his life. God, I pray for College Station. I pray for his burden in that city. I pray, Father, that you would raise up a church there that would make you known and love you and be on mission and be discipled to you, Jesus. And I'm so thankful for Roger's passion and heart to do that and be involved in that. God, if we can be involved in that as a church, help us, Lord. Help us to, to stand side by side with Roger and his family and whatever it is that you're laying on his heart so that we can see Jesus made known in that community, Lord. Father, thank you for this beautiful word that he's given us today, what you've given us through him in your word. Lord, help us to be a people who serves, who loves, who cares, who, who is compassionate, who, who chooses to be second so that we can love the way that, that you've loved us, so that we can love as we would love ourselves, Lord, just as Roger has preached to us today. God, thank you for our family uh, online watching. I pray protection over our, our church family, and, and I pray for our country. Continue to, to heal and eradicate this issue. In the name of Jesus, I pray that you would bind the enemy, Lord, and that you give clarity and wisdom and uh, research and all that's needed in this, and that you would accomplish in us all that you want to accomplish, God, because you don't waste a thing. You are in the middle of everything going on here, Lord, and I pray that we would respond to you appropriately to know you, to love you, and to serve those around us the way you'd have us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us. Have a great Sunday.